podcast is brought to you by Welcome to another edition of Watch This or Die podcast, your weekly fix for quality movie recommendations. I'm Scott Crowshar. And I'm Matt LaPlante. And we will be your hosts on this cinematic voyage. Now, it is our goal every week to recommend to you a movie that we not only fucking love, but one that we're pretty damn sure you will too. So over the next 100 minutes or so, we're going to do our very best to convince you to go and check out this movie like your life depends on it. Now, without further ado, the movie that we are recommending to you this week is... You Are Never Really Here. I'm going to ask you some questions. How many are there? One guy inside the front door, second guy on the top floor. After the tone, please leave a message. It's done. Man called. He wants to see you right away. State Senator Albert Vato, his teenage daughter's missing. What's the lead? He got an anonymous text with an address. I've heard of these places. They said you were brutal. I can be. I want you to hurt them. Welcome to our fourth of five additions to the never-ending Matt's birthday celebration. We definitely need to say, or I don't know who we are, I will say it, and the rest of you at home can mimic it if you'd like, but a happy birthday to Matt. It'll be a belated one. As we're recording this actually the day before his birthday on 420, he's already getting high like he's fucking Willie Nelson at a Farm Aid concert on the other side. <laughs> I wish I was at fucking Farm Aid. Awesome. If you could that see what I'm sick. saying on Zoom, that we can see each other, he looks like he's ready to do some farming and maybe scare some sheep <laughs> or some cattle. Yeah, yeah, also yeah. today on 420, it's a big day. Those of you who followed us when we were over at the Nicolas Cage podcast, we were in the thick of the Black Lives Matter movement. We witnessed the horrific moments of the George Floyd death. Now, the man who did that to him, Derek Chauvin, has been convicted on all three counts of murder today. So finally, finally, when they say justice for all in the Pledge of Allegiance for today, it seems to have rang true. For one, Finally, yeah. just once. For, for one, one day, day at least. Yeah, one day. But it could be, hopefully, hopefully in this country, it's the day that starts to turn the corner and we start to actually get the saying that justice is for everyone in our nation. But Matt, this is your fourth fucking film. This will be the last of April, but we will do one on May 1st, so we will con- continue in. First off, tomorrow, yeah. how old do you turn? I turn 35. I'm, you I'm, cocksucker. 35. I'm exactly 10 years. 10 years. Just a little... 
10 years younger than you. 35. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, barely yeah. his hair on his balls. He Aren't barely you his hair on his balls. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking gun. Uh, so that means oh, you were man. born in what? But 85? Yeah, first, first no, 86. Thing, 86. See, but see, you know what though? That means you were eight years old when Pulp Fiction came out. I got to see it in the theater. So no, uh, I am yeah. not jealous of you because I didn't Told miss you. on those things. I, I was there. I didn't talk about it in the Pulp Fiction episode, but I think we talked about it back with Pantos on his episode where we were talking about, like, first time watching movies, like, and uh, sneaking movies, and I was like, Pulp Fiction was definitely a movie that me and my cousins as, like, 11-year-olds grabbed the VHS that was left behind by my uncle at my grandmother's house and watched Pulp Fiction. We're delinquents. Since we're on that little uh, sidetrack, what is the first movie you remember sneaking into that was a rated R movie that you knew you weren't oh. supposed to be in, like, you snuck into? Because there was a time back in the day, like, now now you can't like now yeah, everything now even pre-covid now they've all yeah. gone to you buy your seats which i like yep. i like buy your seats ahead that way you don't have to worry about some asshole you know what i mean you you know your seat is so when you go to the theater it's there and occasionally when you're in uh well when you used to yeah. be in the regal i would have to relocate people yeah well they open this friday ours oh, opens this nice, friday nice. yeah tomorrow or well not tomorrow well actually when you listen to this it opened yesterday how's that <laughs> yeah but when i was younger the first rated r movie i snuck into and they used to send like the the theater checkers through too yeah and we got lucky i went to see die hard 2 die hard 2 came out in the summer and me and a buddy i think we were in middle school or something like that we snuck in to see die hard 2 it was our first rated r movie that we snuck into i think it was american pie or scary movie because it was a group of us that did it. The the funny horror one, they can be easy to sneak into. You know what I mean? Yeah. People aren't as worried American Pie. About it. I remember that was like a big thing. Cause yeah. You were you want to see? You were all like, "What's this pie <laughs> fucking thing about?" You're like, <laughs> like is <laughs> is it's, that it's, what this is all about? How funny? Man, American Pie may be the first flashlight. <laughs> it's the, it was the invention <laughs> of really the flashlight. Is. It really is. Oh poor. Uh, oh, what's God. his name? Fucking J- uh, Jason. Uh, the, I can't remember his last name. Uh, they. I make fun. Of him in the uh, Jay and Silent Bob uh, oh, yeah. strike bag <laughs> where he's going, he's going to be the pie. <laughs> he goes, I'm the pie yeah. fucker. I'm the pie fucker. Oh. oh, yeah. So good. So good. Speaking of that kind of thing, there was a guy I knew in college uh, who he probably invented the flashlight. And I'm going to explain <laughs> why. At the time, I thought he should have been in the NASA program. He came up <laughs> Boy, with did the, that take he a would, right turn. He would take a Nerf football and cut off the tip. Like, probably, I mean, I'd say probably about uh, six of the way down from the tip. Like, you know, right, right, right before the first lace on the football, he'd cut that off. He would then hollow that out. And you know where I'm going with this. He wouldn't stop there. He would then soak it in water put it in the microwave for about 15 seconds, and then go to town on this homemade Nerf flashlight. Now, that's Jesus dangerous because Christ. if you know anything about a Nerf football, once it starts to break apart, that foam football breaks apart. You know, I'm not tempting fate by getting a Nerf piece in my in my dick, in the dick hole. Just by, it just, you know, no. But I think Man. he is... I, I, I should research, but I don't want to have that in my search history. I should research <laughs> who was the first person <laughs> to come up with it. He's at least got to be on yeah. part of something. He or, had to do something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. back then, it was his mid, this is mid-90s. This is yeah, pre-internet pre- porn. Yeah. You search his name, yeah. might come up on some databases. Yeah. That I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Some databases database. might show him. Absolutely. Not being allowed to go in certain areas. <laughs> on your birthday episode, we just taught our listeners how to make their own homemade fleshlight. <laughs> from a Nerf football. (laughs) Happy birthday, Matt. (laughs) Thank you so much. That was the greatest gift uh, anybody could ever give to me. If you would like to send Matt some Nerf football (laughs) (laughs) flashlights, send us a DM on Facebook. Maybe you'll fucking actually send a DM or... 
do anything. Seriously, d- how hard is it for you to say, hey, fuck you guys? Anything like at this point. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Like, I want a five-star nothing. fuck you review. Like nothing. a five-star fuck uh, you. That's what I like. Uh, how about this? If you like us, share us with other people. Again, we are not trying to make money. I don't want you to come think that we oh, want to suddenly no. become no like some podcast here. where now this becomes no. a job. Like It'll be fun, but I don't want this to become a job. This is fun doing what we do. But if you have people who like it and would like to listen to it, please, by all means, you know, let, let them listen. We'd like to have a little more listenership. We'd like to have some interaction. It's fun. Matt and I just busting each other's balls. Oh, but it'll yeah. be fun to, you know, yeah, you have a little interaction. Say, wow. Absolutely. Yeah, like, you, know, they, you guys really fucking sucked on that episode. Or if, if you, We if you, totally would deserve we, criticism we, about we not knowing about the diopter. One, we would totally yeah, deserve we, criticism. Absolutely. Are, Open to criticism. All we ask, if you are going to interact in any way and you want to critique us and talk shit to us, at least be factual. Don't just say you suck because you just that's all you know how to say. Don't be one of those YouTubers like, you guys fucking suck. Explain why. At least give us something that we can go debate you about and be like, you know what? You're absolutely right. We That we did suck. Or, oh, we didn't think of that. At least something. Because it's easy to go, you guys suck because your mom's a whore. Like, what, like yeah, that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what are we in middle school? You know what what I mean? is this? What is elementary? So that's it. That's all, that's all I'm saying. We would just enjoy that. All right. So now that we've really done, we have gone from, I don't know how we went from George Floyd being his yeah, murderer getting get guilty all, to all Flashlight. Re- this has got to get all recut. This is all staying in. <laughs> this, is the, this is all staying in just for it because it's your birthday. But, and this yeah, is what it's like exactly. being friends with a but drunk. Yeah, on, a, on a good, good on, on a note, I will pour some out for RIP George Floyd and fuck you, Kavanaugh. Have fun. Yeah, I sure. Fucking yeah. Hope you die quick. Yeah. You have to die very slow. He's he's hurts. about to become a pocket pussy. He's about to become a flashlight for real. <laughs> yeah. He deserves it. He's a he piece of shit it. and he got what he deserves. And hopefully this will be the turning point that other cops who think they can pull this shit realize their day's over with. Hopefully. Oh yeah, exactly. Or they might wind up in a jail cell with a bartender. So, all right, I'm going to tell the joke. All right, because I told this before <laughs> we, we started recording. Got to tell now. It may or may not make it in, but here we go. What did the bartender who was serving 15 years for life for manslaughter say to Derek Chauvin their first night that they were cellmates? Can I push your stool in? All right, Matt, so why don't you let us know why you picked your fourth movie, being You Were Never Really Here. Another somewhat obscure movie for those who aren't fans of this type of film genre or who aren't fans of Joaquin Phoenix. Another great pick. Again, one of those movies you picked last week, Blade Runner. I was surprised you are going to pick it because I really enjoyed that movie. Oddly enough, this movie, too, came out in 2017. Yeah, same year. Great year. We might talk about that later. Yeah. And um, so why don't you just, you know, give our listeners a little a taste of why you chose this for your fourth of 300, it seems like, birthday <laughs> film. Never-ending birthday. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like getting trapped in uh, Wally's Wonderland just with me. And I play movies. <laughs> but yeah, I picked this because, first of all, I love Lynn Ramsey. And I absolutely love Joaquin Phoenix. This had a ton of promise when it was released. It was critically acclaimed, as we will get into um, shortly. Uh, but then it just disappeared. It 
was officially released in 2018 because it took so long for it actually to get picked up by Amazon, I believe. Studios grabbed it. Correct. A24 was actually trying to yeah. get it. A lot of people thought it was going to be A24, but somehow Amazon swooped in with all yeah, that. Yeah, there was a With all that Amazon, Jeff Bezos yeah, money. Just, Be- just Be- Bezos wasn't in the middle of a divorce yet. I think it was just starting. So he's like, oh, I better dump some money out quick. Totally underrated movie. That It, it sucked. I remember back then really being extremely disappointed that this just totally got overlooked especially for how much high praise it got especially the praise that it got at at Cannes Film Festival um, which we'll talk about shortly because you know usually that's how it goes you're you're big at Cannes you're gonna ride the Cannes train all the way to the Oscars that's usually what happens you know Pulp Fiction made its way through just like that so many films have been huge hits at Cannes and then go all the way to the Oscars and this nothing it just disappeared it is very disappointing that it did disappear because i was one of the few i'm not sure if you actually saw this in theater but i did go see this in theaters yeah and it was fantastic it was so good otherwise it it was amazing amazing in theaters whole different experience to see it and it's a really quick runtime it's 90 minutes like it is a fast run it's a great quick really efficient and yeah a tight and taut story yeah which we're gonna dive into right now When a teenage girl goes missing, a jaded, brutal enforcer attempts a rescue mission. He uncovers corruption and abuse of power along his way and will use any means necessary to save the girl in Lynn Ramsey's psychological thriller, You Were Never Really Here. Where do you spend your time? What do you do? All day long. It's done. He wants to meet you. You have kids, Joe? Nina. Her name is Nina. 235 East 31st Street. I've heard of these places. If she's there, I'll get her. Cleary said you were brutal. I can be. Look, you see this girl? inside? Security. How many are there? Close your eyes. New York State Senator has been found dead in the parent. Joe! And I don't know what the fuck's going on there. As we said, it came out in 2017, written and directed by Lynn Ramsey. She is a great director out of Scotland. That's the best I can do for a Scottish accent. <laughs> I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> it's <laughs> It stars, as we said, Joaquin Phoenix, Judith Roberts, Ekaterian Samsonoff. I'm sorry if I butchered that, but she plays a young girl in it. We'll get you into did. that. that John good. Doman, Alex Manette, Dante Pariah Olsen, and Alessandro <laughs> Nivola. Now, Alessandro Nivola... His name will come up next winter time because he's in a movie I picked and he's fantastic in it. And I've talked about it before. It's this karate thing, you know. We'll talk about it when he comes around. But he's <laughs> he really is in the. I thought he was in the movie longer. He's in it yeah, the blink of no, an eye. Not much. And the no. poor guy plays one of the fucking pedophiles. Unfortunately, yeah. This movie was made on a budget of two point five million. Very modest budget, but yeah. 
effective. It, yeah, effective. It is a as we're gonna. It's gonna be compared to a couple things. It's gonna be compared to Taxi Driver. There are there are some similar, very strong similarities, but also very. It's very different too. Yeah, it's a. It's not uh, Taxi Driver. No. In the same universe as Taxi Driver, like in that anti hero, it, it, it's an anti hero genre film like Taxi Driver, but, but it also crosses over with the main character film. trying to help a young girl who's in the sex trade. So it's very similar right. to like, so there, there are similarities, yeah. but they're so, it's not like it's like they re- tried to rehash a Taxi Driver. The yeah. two the two characters are completely opposites. They didn't even try to get the vibe of Taxi uh, Taxi Driver. No, no. Where the Bickle character is very, very demonstrative. He's very in your face. He You see his yeah. psychosis where... Joe is very quiet. He's very subdued. It's, yeah. it's a different kind of mental illness he's going through, so which we'll get into. Yeah. This was, uh, I said, made on a budget of $2.5 million. It grossed $10.9, which is actually, considering for being a small, you know, basically indie film, it film. did pretty right. good. It made back good. You know, five times what it cost. So that's all, you know, in Hollywood, that's all that matters. You got to make the money back, you know? They just want to see numbers. That's exactly. It. <laughs> you're not getting another, yeah. You're damaging your career if you, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> now, you don't make money. I wonder if this film had come out after Joker, if these scores I'm about to give you would be different. And I'll explain. IMDb basically gave it a D. <laughs> you know how I feel about them. It's a 6.8. It, would it? 6.8. 6. 6. fucking Fuck. 8. Fuck that. Now, over on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics liked it with an 89. But the audience gave it a 64, which is where I think audience members who saw it, two things. One, they were turned off by the story. Stomaching, sex trafficking with young girls as the main point of the story. And basically a guy who, and as we'll get into, that's what he does for a daily basis, trying to find these girls and get them yeah, out and basically them, yeah. give them retribution for the people who are doing this. It's not family fair. You're not, it's not a date no, movie. Yeah, so I can see not, yeah. why some, I think people were turned off by it because of that. But I don't, I don't think that's fair because this, it's, a, it's a great story. And I don't think it's fair yeah. to say you don't like the movie just because you didn't like the subject matter. That's not the same thing. A shitty movie is Paul, <laughs> Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2. Yeah, I read an article about that the other day. Some guy was so pissed off that he wasn't even in the fucking mall. He's in Vegas. That's a legitimate <laughs> complaint. You know what I mean? That's, that's a legitimate, a, that's like, a, the fucking thing's not even worth saying. We can file this complaint. Yeah. So, but being upset that, you know, if you don't like a movie subject matter, that's fine. But that doesn't mean the movie sucks. It just means you don't find that it, it, you're you're kind of fair. The other thing is, is I don't think people had had a chance to see Joaquin Phoenix in this kind of role yet and they may not have, you know, enjoyed it. If you see, if I think if people see this movie after seeing Joker and which hopefully a lot of our listeners who haven't seen this will have seen Joker well, yeah, and now we'll see this, I think they're now. going to like yeah. this more than if they didn't have Joker as a reference of where Joaquin Phoenix can really go and, and yeah. act. I agree. I agree. Um, the other thing also is I feel like maybe some people that did go into this film thought they were going to get some type of revenge anti-hero film, kind of like Drive. You you kind of do, but get, it's... you're still on it, but it's not it's not in the same like as we'll yeah, get into. As we'll the, get into the violence yeah, is handled differently. Yes, and that can be a big turnoff for people that are expecting to see something different. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get. In. I don't want to jump it now. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll definitely get into that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know what? Actually, it's the perfect reason why. We 
should now just stop fucking around. And we're just going to jump right into the top five reasons you should watch this movie. The top five reasons to watch this movie. Number one. This movie shines a light on the dark reality of child sex slavery. Now, let me preface this. This is not suddenly turning into a QAnon, <laughs> a QAnon conspiracy theory about a cabal of people eating and kids, all the, the crazy shit that we've been going through for the last couple of years. This yeah, is nothing this about that. This is actually turning a real light. fucking wherever the fuck he lives. Well, you know that, what it is? I, I will give it this. It will give some credence to what some of the conspiracy is based on. Like, there is a serious right. issue, not in this country, in all over the world, but I think we turn a blind eye to it. I think as, as human beings, if we don't see it in front of us, we don't want to believe it's happening. It's just so much easier for us to go throughout our day not thinking that kids are being sex trafficked. And in our minds... As in this conspiracy theory, you want to believe it's like these horribly demonic people. Most likely it's people you would never fucking expect would do it. Like Tom Cruise or the Tom uh, Hanks thing that they try to say. Whatever. Yeah. I'll just yeah. say maybe. It, you show me proof that Tom Hanks, and I'm not just talking about some kind of signs and numbers and, oh, when he says this in <laughs> Toy Story, he really means it. I don't want all that bullshit. You give really, me some legitimate yeah. proof, then I will go, okay, let's yeah. hang Tom Get Hanks the from the fucking, web, yeah, fucking exactly. nerds. The basis of the story is our main character, played by the great Joaquin Phoenix, uh, his character's name is Joe, and it's, it's is it me? Is a lot of the sh movies we see have Joe in it. The J Joe Joe's had a tough life, <laughs> and Joe, <Yeah>. Joe, <laughs> Joe's Joe's. When we meet Joe, it's a fucking shit show yeah. most of the time. If you, you know, um, I mean, if you last week, uh, what's his name's character gave himself the name Joe in Blade yeah. Runner. He so uh, yeah, yep, yeah. I mean, maybe that's so, why yeah, it, the, it, the song it's a is sign "Hey Joe." Of like uh, pent up violence, or just bad luck. I mean, even yeah. even Tom Hanks, Sadness. Joe versus the volcano. <laughs> he had to no, yeah. they were going to sacrifice the volcano. So oh, Joes man. don't do well. Shoeless Joe Jackson. <laughs> the whole fucking movie is Joe. <laughs> exactly <laughs> from fucking uh, yes. Nicolas Cage. Oh god. So yeah, there's a lot of lot of Joes don't do well in in life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you have a yeah. Joe if you know in a Joe, movie, he's not doing that. Yeah. Shit that's why that song "Hey well. Joe." Where you going? with that gun in your hand like joe's had a tough <laughs> shit you know yeah, they, they, they named really... a shitty sandwich sloppy joe like it's really <laughs> joe's had it only good joe is gi joe you know what i mean that's the only pro <laughs> joe is gi joe all right anyways we'll get back to this movie this is uh based on a book and i'm gonna actually get into some of the differences in the book in a moment but what ends up happening is is joe is a former marine or at least in the military. I'm going yeah, Marine, but, I, Marine. but I'm pretty sure he was a Marine. He was a former Marine. May have seen some time at war. Well, sorry. Definitely seen some time at war. Very traumatic. Had a very traumatic life. We're going to get into that in a little bit, too. Afterwards, we learned quickly that when he got out of the military, he was a part of an FBI task force that was actually working towards freeing or actually working against sex slavery. That was their main focus. And he came across an incident that we'll talk about that definitely puts him on this path. I think it's an incident that got him out of the FBI. Yeah. And that realized that. That was like the catalyst that. It was almost like his Batman moment, his Bruce Wayne moment. It was like this yep. happened. And now no. I, I know that yeah. I have to go outside the law if I really want to make a difference. Right. And so he kind of becomes a vigilante who his main specialty is to be very brutal and to take out his traumas on the perpetrators of the sex slavery. Unfortunately for Joe and unfortunately for the girls he saves, he usually saves them after they've already been taken in, are in slavery and they, things yeah, have happened to been, them. Yeah, exactly. He's not he's, finding yeah, out. Like, no, he's not he's stopping the person, it. Yeah, he's not stopping it. He's the one that is going out there and getting them back and... 
putting Anyone. an end to the people who've done it. Yeah, yeah anything anybody that yeah. is there or that gets in his way of getting to this this girl or, or woman is going to meet the wrong end of a hammer. Yeah, a ball peen hammer. Yeah, a very brutal end. So he basically gives them instant justice and retribution. And it's one of those things where I was thinking about it. He's kind of like the Punisher in a way. But he he gets away with a lot of this up until the main part of the story because... Much like if you rob a drug dealer, who the fuck are they calling? You know, like yeah. like if you show up to one of these sex dens yeah. and you butcher some people and for, yeah. no one's calling you, the police. You have to like, no one's explain why, yeah. Exactly. No one, those well, guys are eight, dead. That's it. They're, they're dead. <laughs> you, got, you toss them somewhere. You got eight d- dead people in your house and four of them are completely nude. You have a mad am that's screaming hysterically. You, well, you, and, not that, but you also got this, the, the clientele yeah, there the who clientele. he then will beat, as we're talking about, he all, beats the death yeah, and they're, then. They're beating the death. They're, they're Fucking yeah. brain dead for life. Now the, whoever is running this brothel of hell is now got to dispose of these. Bo- like all yeah. the shit is on them. Yeah. Like he basically goes in there, destroys things, and there's yeah. no one's ever going to rat him out because what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At the end of the day, most people like give him a slap on the wrist for that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. That's that's the basic basis of this story, as he is hired for large sums of money, track down the girls that he's been sent to find, get them out of where they are, and basically unleash hell on the people who are doing it. And it's brutal. Now, in the book, here's the several changes that are made from the film to the novel. Yeah, there's a couple. Uh, most notably, it's the ending. So... Since I'm going to tell the ending of the book, which might give away you the ending of the movie, I'm going to do our spoiler. Feel free to skip past this because I'm not giving away the ending of the movie, but it might be kind of spoilable what I say happens in the book. And I just want to give you that because I think it's very big. If someone's read this short story, I don't want you. Yeah, it's a big difference. Yeah, big difference. So you have three, two, one. Now, if you're still here, like I said, it's not giving away the ending, but it might spoil a little bit. In the novel, there is, uh, and in the movie, there's a senator named Vado. He becomes our main guy that we go through. He hires Joe to get his daughter. In the movie, we aren't 100% sure if Senator Vado has sold his daughter into sex slavery or if she's been taken to keep him quiet by this guy that we're going to find out by. Basically, the governor yeah. of, I think it's, it's a New York state at this York, point that they're yeah. using. <laughs> by Cuomo. Which, if, I know, but people allegedly, are going like to Allegedly, allegedly, jump allegedly. Off. I don't want to. You're going to jump don't all fucking shit, but it's not, Cuomo. it's not Cuomo, all right? It's not, not, they don't even try to make it look like him. You know, and like his name's like Wallace or something yeah. like that, so it's not that. So everyone just take a deep breath and relax, all right? I know he's under his investigation for shit, but he's at least as far as we know, he's not running a sex ring yet that we know of. In the book, he actually does sell his daughter into slavery. Yeah. He sells them so they can help boost his political career. The mob yep. is involved to help boost yeah, his political so career. so he's doing it to get to help. In the book, which we never learned about in the movie, we don't know what happened to the girl's mom. In the book, he has her killed and makes yep. it look like an accident. To, and to Actually, quiet. it looks like a suicide to keep her quiet. And so once Joe finds out about this, he kills Senator Votto. And then he goes to Philadelphia where Nina was moved. He shows up in Philadelphia and she's gone. She's not there. He actually never finds Nina. He never saves yeah, her. And it's left, left open. As a cliffhanger yeah. in the book. 
In the movie, it's different. And I actually really didn't give much away other than that. The only thing you'll know is that he finds her in the movie, which we're going to talk about. But how it ends and what oh, happens, you don't 100% know. 100% different. And Senator Nevado isn't killed by Joe. Senator Nevado takes his life or in this one. allegedly takes so, his life. Allegedly yeah. takes, yeah, exactly. And in this one, we don't know... We're assuming, based on some conversations we get from a guy that we're going to talk about another one of our numbers, we assume that somehow the political powers that be, he has shifted and he has allowed his daughter to be taken. Yeah. And then he changes his mind. And then after that. Which sets these events forward and then a whole bunch of shit happens. Yeah, um, a lot goes. Pretty crazy. Yeah. It's a truly dark, dark story, and it's a very, very compelling one, but also hard to swallow. Yeah. Child sex, look, whatever political aisle you sit on or whatever walk of life you are, if we, I hope we can all grant one thing. Yeah. <laughs> Pedophiles deserve to die. Yeah. You will never hear me feel bad if someone says some guy walked into a pedophile house. You know they have all the places for like yeah. certain, um, certain areas. and you can find yep. this, and it's very da- it's very uh, eye opening. Yeah. And I suggest you should if you have kids. You search can search it. on like these watchdog places, and you can see they'll put red dots where they are. Some apartments in certain cities and certain they areas are there, as red rather, as a Christmas they'd tree. They'd rather put them yes. all together. Yes. So if someone walked in, I'm not saying you should, so don't fucking say that. But if <laughs> yeah. by chance something horrible happened yeah. in one of those places, I would be like, oh man, that's horrible. Every single person. That's to really death. tragic. I, yes, exactly. I would. You're not going to see anyone yeah, shed a tear for fucking no pedophiles. Grieving. One of the other like little things, just uh, based off the title here uh, of the movie, is what what I love about it is how the title of the film is just kind of it's explained more in the book, but obviously it alludes to Joe's use of his military and FBI skills to leave no traces behind. Which in this film uh, we get a fantastic opening scene that sets up the character Joe shows the amount of violence he can put out there mm-hmm. what he the lengths he goes to to save someone um and then the lengths he goes to to cover his own tracks um yeah. and it just sets him up perfectly and it's scored so fantastically by johnny greenwood from radiohead yep. doing his you know johnny greenwood's a fantastic musician and he's amazing at writing music for for films and, you know he scored a ton of paul thomas anderson's work including another film from uh, 2017, uh, Phantom Thread. This is different than any soundtrack Johnny has ever put together. It's very offbeat, especially the the opening song is is, is almost like unnerving, um, the way it's kind of yeah, just well, like these ele- be, electronic yeah. in- instruments going and, and none of them are really in, on beat with each other and it's kind of like sporadic but it's it's a great setup there um you know showing you know the necklace and him destroying the phone and cleaning the hammer and it's just it's so fucking good he does not do a great job of cleaning no the hammer, he though. doesn't care he does not i know but you know what i'm saying like he could have done a little bit better. Did, i'm could. just saying it was just it was a little half-assed yeah. <laughs> as ron swanson says never half-ass two things when you can whole ass one thing. yeah and let's just say one other thing, Joaquin Phoenix in full, you were never really uh, here mode. You don't fucking hit him with a fucking uh, flapjack in a oh, fucking alleyway because he drops that dude with one headbutt. Fucking headbutt stuff. He throws fuck up. Up. Hit him so hard that threw he off. Instant yeah. concussion. <laughs> instant. You know, like, I've had a concussion before. And when I've had a concussion, oh, I've thrown up. up real quick. <laughs> like that's a telltale sign you got a concussion. If you puke within <laughs> seconds of getting hit, whoo, go to the hospital. <laughs> this is actually a great segue into a second reason she watches this movie. Number two. 
And that is the deeply complex character of Joe that both Lynn and Joaquin created. And as Matt was alluding to earlier about the military skills, in the book, the character Joe uses a lot of fake IDs, he wears surgical gloves, yeah. hides his face from cameras, yada yada. So it would be like he never was there. He had a lot of gadgets. It was actually Joaquin who talked with Lynn and said he didn't want to use any of that. Yeah. He wanted to be very minimalist. He wanted to be kind of what Matt was alluding to. When we see him cleaning up, he's basically got duct tape. Zip ties yeah. and hammers. Basically, he his walks main into weapons like of choice. the closest hardware store that takes cash. Yeah. And, and I think he thinks, as we were talking about, he doesn't worry so much about hiding his face. He, you know, wears hoods and hats and, and looks down. But he also realizes that, as we were talking about, none of the people. They're gonna. They might come looking for him, but no one's going to the, the cops. Yeah. No one's turning this stuff over as evidence. No one is because <laughs> it's it's an instant death sentence for whoever does. Like it's yeah. oh, shit is going to fall. Yeah. you know, it's, fly. It's, it's, it's yeah. The house of cards is going to fall. And I'm not so sure how many people in the policing world are going to be looking really, really hard for a guy who's fucking up pedophiles. Right. You know, like <laughs> yeah. No I one's, don't no know one's how many people are like, yeah. searching. No. It's not like no, he's not a really crazy billionaire going around fucking branding. <laughs> dressed as a dressing bat. Dressing as a yeah, bat. exactly. Branding him. Fuck. Ben Affleck. Fucking guy. Shittiest Batman <laughs> ever. Bat. No, fucking Batman. Anyways, Batman's just shitty. Anyways, <laughs> Batman should go to jail. <laughs> Batman needs to go to jail. <laughs> Batman needs to go to jail. Anyways, no. But they do an amazing job of creating this character. And when it opens, as Matt was explaining, we open on a shot of Joaquin... Looks like he's trying to asphyxiate himself. So when you so first brutal. see it, you're like, you think maybe I'm at the end. Like, I remember Almost the first like time Memento. I saw the movie. Yeah, I thought that what we were seeing was someone had caught up to him and they were trying to kill him. But they were doing a soil. Like, they were toying with him. They were giving him some oxygen so he could breathe the bag in and breathe out. And then they were going to fuck with him. And then you realize he's doing it. Like, he's put the bag over his head. And as we'll talk about more in depth, we learn from some great, great little snippets, some great flashbacks and memories, some great snippets, all the stuff we need to know about Joe without any flashback scenes. You know, we don't have to go back in time for things. He's choking himself out. We see this someone's feet moving in the sand and a couple other things. Joe hiding under a table. Um, yeah, Joe in a like, closet what's happening? as a kid yes. doing the back, uh, like putting like a Oh, like a dry cleaning yeah. bag over his head. As over a, his as head. A, and head that dry cleaning bag, honestly enough, sometimes is over his dad's U.S. Marine yep. military blues. Yeah. You want to talk about just building a character without having yeah. to do much? Character that's had <laughs> the... Uh, his mom yeah. is beaten by with a hammer, so we learn his love... For, well, not so much his love for hammers, but, he, but the reason, why yeah, hammers the reason become why he uses hit. it. Uh, we get to see that, you know... At an early age, he does not like when women are hurt. And every single person in this movie that has caused him trauma, it's a female being injured. We see a young girl that he gave a candy bar to over in the desert, whether it's Iraq or Afghanistan, doesn't say, yeah. doesn't matter. Get shot. She then is shot. And I actually, I'll be honest with you, I'm surprised he didn't shoot the kid who did it. Yeah. Why not? I mean, he could totally get away with it. He totally could get away with that. This kid killed the girl and was aiming at them next. Could have dropped them. Like no one would have, everyone would have yeah. had his back. But he didn't. He didn't drop this kid. He could have on the other side of the fence. So this young girl, he gives a candy bar to, gets killed. It shows that, like that, build up of like you know he had this trauma like to even call it trauma as a kid like this kid he grew up watching his mother be beat with a hammer and self-asphyxiating himself 
regularly well, to try to silence, I don't think he, the no, silence the noise of it. Yeah, I don't think he realized he was self-asphyxiating. I think he the first time he it. heard it, exactly, it was in the closet mm-hmm. and it wasn't doing it. So he was like, well, what if I go underneath this bag? Yeah. And then also, like from there, it just starts to manifest Into, itself as, yeah. you know, he starts to hyperventilate. And like it's a thing that calms yeah. him, like which is bizarre to think, but this actually calms him. He has this psychosis break where plastic bag near the point of almost asphyxiating himself yeah. is how he comes yeah. it's, it's unbelievable development I don't know if he does that in the book or not but the way they were able to put it together so in good. this movie in such little clips it's jarring and, and great I mean even when he's in the steam bath the one time yeah. you know when he's in the steam bath, he he actually has to breathe deep. Like he's actually causing himself to hyperventilate to somehow reach some a state of calm. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I just kept thinking, this other guy's in the bathhouse. So must be like, why is this dude breathing? I don't know. I want to fuck him because <laughs> he's also like, stretching. No, he's like no. stretching in like martial arts kind of like mo- uh, like moves and like yeah. poses. Let's just say if you just compare the size of w- Joaquin in this film to the size of him in the Joker, he put on weight. <sighs> In muscle for yeah. this role. I would fucking... He put on the kind of muscle like our boy Vince Vaughn did for Cell Block. Yes. Where it's just, it's, he put on girth and he, he did like almost like almost bodybuilding, almost yeah. like heavy lifting. He wasn't trying to get cut. He was just trying to turn the fat into more muscle and you know yeah. just almost like this dead weight muscle yeah. as opposed to like you know just, i'm cut you know i'm the rock you yeah. know what i mean he was going more for yeah, just laying heavy bricks him and him and vince's character are very much the same type of fighter where they're both just brawlers like they're going to win because they're like the the that craziness yeah. in them that comes out when they're yeah. fighting they overwhelm you yeah. with like you're with gonna like violence yeah, like you're, you're gonna not under, so ready yeah, for you're it. not ready for it no matter what like and we we'll get into it we see it you know when he fights somebody who is fully armed with a gun and he still wins yeah and it's brutal but yeah to, to take it back to um to what you were saying about you know the scene with the candy bar so with that part i kind of feel like the reason he didn't act on it is like he almost had this transition where i feel like a he went into the military because it's part of the family and b he also went into the military to get away absolutely i think up absolutely. until that point in his time he spent over there yeah he may, he may have been engaged in fighting and killing um but he'd never seen an innocent be killed by another what he would see a ch- another child kill a child over something that he, he also felt some remorse and that it was, was his just fault like, yeah he was just dazed by the fact that what he the simple act of him making a kind gesture which the way it kind of portrays it in the scene is that nobody else is really communicating with these children on the other side of this fence um and he does this and then he immediately takes all the guilt of having this kid's blood on his hands for giving him a fucking candy bar and that's fucking crazy and that's powerful as fuck it is based on a novella written by jonathan ames i love working with lynn never worked with somebody that was uh so committed i'd get emails from her very early in the morning she was up kind of thinking about the scenes and uh it's always nice to work with people that are really passionate about things i knew it was going to be him and maybe he could have said no and we hadn't even met um at the time i was writing the script on the island of santorini like overlooking this volcano and and so i got in touch and we spoke on the phone and just felt like a kindred spirit and I didn't know if he'd say yes, and then, but he read the script and he did, and it, but we only needed a small window to do it in. It meant I had very little prep, but I thought, God, it's Wacky Phoenix, I can't see. 
we made this film in a very fast way. It was like only took nine months to make. It was twenty nine day shoot. It was crazy. But it has a kind of crazy energy in it. I think went into the movie. It was just like loads of craziest, funniest time in set as well. And it was it was a hot summer in New York, and the heat in New York in the summer is crazy. And you know, just the energy of this film, the young filmmakers who were working, part of the crew. It was just everyone was excited by it, and I think we were just like, sorry, stop shooting. We we're like, let's do another thing, you know, let's let's keep going. Um, I just kind of felt like we just tried always, always to push this character and see how we could do it in a, a deeper uh, way and. And also take all the, the gimmicks and you know things that out of the were typical of these kind of movies. Like, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I'd love to work. You know, and he's a great. You know, people think he's a really intense guy, but he's actually really funny. And uh, so maybe a comedy next time. He was preparing for this role. Lynn Ramsey gave him an audio file, oh, yeah, so crazy, of fireworks mixed with gunshots, and said, "This is what it's like in Joe's head." And it's just like, it's intense. That's intense because you can see it throughout the film. Throughout the film, he is borderline ready to fucking snap. Yeah. And not in the snap of like the, the Bickle character we talked about from Tax Driver, but more in the snap of like, I just don't want to do this anymore and just, just take himself out of this yeah. world. I think what keeps him going, as crazy as it sounds, is his ability to exact brutal vengeance on these people and try yeah. to write some things. Because another scene we see twice flashback is while he was in the FBI, the only thing we know about his FBI career is he opens the back of like a freezer truck or a storage truck and there is a pile of young, it looks like either Asian or Hispanic women, all dead. There's no context of yeah. why they're dead. We just know they've died. And obviously he was trying to save them. That was it for him. And he leaves the FBI from that point. And then that's why he goes into what he becomes. What he becomes is a great way to talk about our third reason to see this movie. Number three. And that is the rescue scene of this young girl that we were talking about, Mr. Vado's daughter, Nina, that he has been sent to get in this really lavish and nice brownstone in probably a very swanky oh, yeah. area yeah, of definitely. Manhattan. Because it's in such a nice area, doesn't get a whole lot of eyes on no, it. No, it's not a place where you don't need to worry about, like, this is an area... Where, you know, fictionally and in real life, cops are coming through looking to protect the people that actually live there. Regardless of what they're fucking you doing, doing jobs? you know, yeah. inside these buildings, they're protecting, they're there protecting protect, money. They're, yeah. they're protecting well, as we wealth. learned, they're there to keep people out. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So that's why. They're protecting their own self-interest exactly. and making extra money. Yep. Dirty cops. So he, who, <laughs> when he goes in... The great thing is, you know, getting some little snippets of what his life might have been like. You know, obviously you have to be able to mm -hmm. take these cues and put pieces together. Otherwise, you'd be like, well, how would he know how to do this stuff? He was in the FBI. He was in the military. Yeah. He learned some things, and now he's putting... <laughs> he's Liam Neeson. Yeah, he's a, I'm a man with certain real, skills. These like, are his certain skills. If him, if Liam yes. walked into a room yes. and this was one of the people on in, in Taken 87... No, Liam's not leaving that room alive. <laughs> Liam's yeah, asking like, him Liam's to go like, get this person who's been taken. Too old he knows shit. what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, but he stakes out the place and does a great job. He's watching, watches the guy going with food, just watching everything, how all the manuals and everything's happening. When the boy comes out, I love how once again they use that door camera trick that they used in Killing Them Softly, where the camera's attached yeah, to so when it swings jars, out, the yeah, camera jars, comes the with camera it. I love that. I love that when they use that. So through his rear view mirror, he can see this young man's getting out, coming out the building. So he opens his door and opens the back door. Yeah, and we don't so see good. anything. I love that. Like we, The camera stays on that door. So next thing we see is <laughs> he's got this kid all bound up and throws him in the back seat. 
and basically asking him all kinds of questions about to kill his yeah, ass. And just slapping him in the face. Relax. What's your name? Scott. I'm Mr. Rogers. Listen, I'm going to ask you some questions. Please be honest with me. All right, security. How many are there? Huh? Is there one? More than one? Two? Three? Come on, talk. Two. Two? Where? Where in the house are they? One guy inside the front door. Second guy on the top floor. Where's the playground? Playground? They keep underage girls. Third floor. I just... I just work here, but I just run errands. I don't... They're freaks, man. It's okay. Do you carry keys? No? What's the color of the front door? 4392. What is it? Promise you won't kill me. What's the fucking code? 4392. Good boy. So the boy gives up everything, and I love he just chokes him out. Like, he doesn't kill him, but he puts him to sleep. He's like... Chokes his bitch ass out, which was fantastic. I love that little that bit of it. And from there, we go to him going in. And at that moment, they decide to put us in the perspective of a security yeah, feed, like, a, like, like as if we're in the security monitor in a security room where it cycles through all the cameras on like a three second timer. So like you get three seconds of this, and then we keep jumping to different cameras in different areas. It'd be the worst porno ever if they ever did like, like oh, 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 okay, wait, oh, here we go. He's come back Man, around. You're, here's you're, here's you're, what I was you to see. Got a dirty mind tonight. First the flesh. Now you're now you're thinking about porno. <laughs> Flashlight, nerf flashlight, we got it all. The one of the great scenes is is we get glimpses of what's happening. And the first scene we see is of him. He's gonna punch in the code. But even though he is like a seasoned professional at this, it's yeah. never easy for Still him. Got. There's always you, you, yeah. no job is the same. He knows what's waiting for him, but he doesn't know what's waiting for him. So we get a glimpse of him just finishing throwing up and punching in the code. And then we jump through different things. So we see like the hallways and we see two guys, you know, where they're stationed, these two guards. And there's not a lot of security because no one thinks anyone's yeah. ever gonna come. I think even the because kid tells them there's, impossible. there's, there's someone the at the door or, and there's someone on the third floor. And it's phenomenal because all of a sudden he's in, we're jumping, and we see him post-killing a guy. Dude's over and he's walking past him. He's just got done braining his fucking ass. And then as he's going up to the second floor, it's probably the most gut-wrenching, hard-to-see scene. And it's, le- it's there five seconds, eight seconds. Uh, we see him coming out into the hallway beating a fucking naked, guy yeah, to death who's naked. He just fucking beats him. It jumps past him, and when it comes back around again to that same camera, like, there's a like young girl who six, can't, can't be old, not yeah, nine. Yeah, real fucking Yeah, young. yeah. Can't, yeah. Uh, elementary school. Walks out of the room. Real young. In like a nightgown. Like it's... One kudos to that young girl for the acting job she did. The subtlety of how she walks it's, out. Yeah. It just chills. It, it makes like you ghost. want to be in the movie yeah, and grab a hammer with everybody. him and just yeah. like going through every door because and doing she, it all. She, does, yeah. she looks like, like she's so like she's yeah. so destroyed. She is literally a ghost. Like she, the way that she walks out of there is like a ghost. Yeah. She's, shell she's a shell of herself. Yep. Um, there's nothing left. Yep. Um, they've completely destroyed uh, this young girl's life. These fucking horrible people. Yep. And even in yep. this brutal, these brutal deaths that they're getting 
something, they're still not getting what they deserve. You know, like <laughs> no, no, you you know, it's it feels like the only thing that would would make it feel good is if you like they beat the the their skulls into the point yeah. where there is no more skull. Like and it's like like a shattered egg. Like, you know what like, I mean? Like the shell he of an egg. Fucking two hands. Yeah, because then we yeah. jump back. He gets to the third floor and he is two fucking swinging that. Jesus mulking. Christ! He is beating him yeah. like he's got his hand on a bat, and he is fucking going That's the to town. And I think. Guard. What it was is, is he beats the first security guard, and he's like, oh, it's more nervous energy, and just takes him out. After he's being the angry. pedophile. Like, he's, he's got rage. Like now Yeah, he's, now he is, he's like, he's yeah. there. He's in the zone. Yeah, he's fucking ready to yeah. fucking go. And he takes this dude out, goes into the room, finds the girl, who, when we first come upon her, she is counting backwards yeah. from, I think, 100. And we're going to get into why and what that's all about. And he beats this fucking dude to death in a corner. The Madam Watson. And you yeah, can Madam see, like, that's when he's still... He tells her... What's he doing to her? Checks her? Like, he's checking her for weapons and tells her to, to get back. And But you can yeah. tell he's still... He's yeah, because he warned really her hostile. Because when he sees her immediately, he thinks that he's that he's going to... He that is. she's going to try to protect what's going on there. Because he does. He, like, immediately points the hammer at her. And yeah. he's like, he's like, get back, get the fuck back. I think that she he is, realizes yeah, like, that... She knows... No, not just that. I think that, she realizes... That she's a what scumbag. The that she's like, yeah, what have I done? Like, she's a scumbag. This is her life that she's became a part of. And yes. regardless of... Yeah. She's allowed money and to yeah. completely and take over And now she her. knows every, every swinging dick in that place is been beat... To the fucking... In trouble. <laughs> Beat to death. Well, whoever he sees, because as he walks with her down the hallway... Oh, God, some, yeah. <laughs> some fucking guy decides he's that he... going to be a tough he, guy in his underwear. I, I don't think it's that. I think yeah. he just came out to see what's going on. And I, for whatever reason... It, probably, you know what the thing is? Is the people who are there, yes. they are wealthy yeah, people. They political are political elites. Look, or, if you want to give any kind of some credence to what the QAnon people say... This is what they're talking about. These are these are elite people who have the kind of money and right. sick appetite for something like this. That this is what they go for. The Jeffrey yes. Epstein crowd of people jumping into this. Prince Andrew. So I think he comes out almost almost like how dare yeah, you? Yeah, it's like almost like what the fuck is going on? And oh man, was that a? And he sets her down and tells her to close her eyes, which she doesn't, she doesn't because you, she's so fucked up. Yeah, she's already been just she's destroyed. She's too yeah, fucking she, calm. Too calm. Like, like I couldn't be this calm. Like, if someone did that to me, I wouldn't be that calm. You know, I, I don't know I what I'd be. I, almost, I wouldn't be like just like calm. Well, because one a that all the trauma she's experienced is, is completely. F- yeah, she she takes herself yeah. somewhere to get his, you know his, to block his it out. Completely just changed her mind set completely. And the second thing is. Going through her countdown sequence, when she finally gets to it, and Joe's wait, trying to wake her up, slapping her in the face, like tapping her on the face, and yeah, she finally yeah, yeah. realizes who Joe is, and that she can see through him and see that he genuinely cares. Like all he cares about is her and anybody like her, and he is going to do anything that he can to make sure they are safe. Oh, he does, because he fucking. We don't see it. You but get like yeah, it's such a cool shot because the camera the comes other, you, behi- you, goes behind yeah. the guy. So in the way it pans down, it almost pans down past him. You see that he's yeah. standing in his fucking underwear, and like when it pans, 
it pans as Joaquin is literally just making that first throw, and he's just hitting oh, him to the and head. And the great sound they do is in fucking uh, amazing. the sound effects. Oh, it's just the sound of heavy metal hitting flesh. Oh, it's got like that dead yeah. slaps. Oh. Brutal, brutal, and they do a great job no, of not showing all the violence. Barely, barely like we've said about Tarantino show. stuff, but when you don't see what happens, man, your mind there's violence, but it's yeah. all off screen or behind you. Like you don't, you're not seeing it in front of you. A couple times you do, but even even when he two handed, <laughs> two two fisted the guy, he you're still he's in front of like his back is to the camera, and we see him coming down, but we don't see him actually yeah. making contact with the guy because he's just you know standing over and just your mind knows what he's doing. He's pummeling the fuck out of the guy. And I'm glad it wasn't gratuitous because it would have taken away from yeah. what they were trying to do. You know what I mean? Like, it, there was a point. You you want to feel for Joe. But if it gets gratuitous, it, you start to then lose the power of what he's doing. Like in Kill Bill, when, like, you know, when people's hands get cut, there's blood yeah. shooting everywhere. That's a, There's a point for that. It's, you know, uh, comical and right. cartoonish violence going on. You know, we know what's happening. This does not have any place in that. And it holds yes. much more weight no, and power of the way they shoot it. Um, and no, and, and kudos to Lynn because, you know, this was, this was Lynn's idea to cut back on the violence and uh, come up with the, the CTV um, showing of a lot of the, you know, what would have been three fucking, it would have been Such three a good sequence and under what, a minute and a half. <laughs> like, that would have, that's fucking real violent. Four. Four, four deaths. And all with a fucking hammer. Yeah, and just imagine, we've seen, uh, if you go back and listen to Drive, we've seen what a hammer does to body parts. And we've seen what a boot can do to a head. Mm-hmm. Um, old boy, we, we old had a whole boy. we had a whole section of yeah. And this boy. made your hammer list. This, this made my this hammer movie. List. Yeah, made the hammer list. Go to go to weapon. Um, but yeah, she, kudos to her for choosing to do it this way because she didn't want it the graphic violence to take away from what she was trying to show as this deeply bound in story to the psyches of these characters. Like Joe is fucked. And at the same time, Nina is, you know, on the same path as him. He saved her, but we can see as an audience looking at her, she could end up going down the same path as Joe at this point, you know, up and now that Joe saved her, you know, he, she can go and, you know, wind up maybe trying to, like, uh, do, like, a career in the field like this. Um, but then she could easily turn, and all it's going to take is one more event for her to then become just like Joe. To where she's, like, going to devote her well, life to physically taking Sadly, she could just become, like, the madam. If you got to right. see anything on the Epstein um, yes. documentary. yeah. The girls he recruited eventually became recruiters for him. Right. So. It's that Stockholm syndrome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And this is actually a great way to start our fourth reason you should watch this movie. Number four. And that is this film is also an amazing but sad examination of trauma. Both of these characters are not the same but have very similar past. They were both children who have suffered severe childhood traumas. Joe sees his drunken father who probably has nightmares of whatever wars he was in when he was in um, the Marines. 
I'm going to assume Vietnam possibly. Yeah. He looks, it's too young for him to be the Gulf War. And, wasn't, and the Gulf like, War wasn't that bad. Yeah. Based by the, or he's like the, just a the, drunk. He's just a fucking dickhead drunken. He, you know. does, yeah, he came back from the war and he's probably alcoholic. Seems like a weekly basis. His mom is getting beaten with a hammer and just awful things. So Joe fucking pacifies himself by basically suffocating himself under plastic bags, which... If you have kids or have kids, you see that your your child putting a plastic bag over their head to calm themselves. Like you would be like, you, no, if you saw that a child, you'd be like, it, yeah. what the fuck is happening? You what would you be doing? so yeah. so distraught by just seeing that. But this kid does this on a daily basis. He follows his father's footsteps, maybe thinking he's going to make a difference. He tries to be nice to this young little girl. She gets shot. The second woman in his life that he's tried to do something for, a second female, tragic things have happened to them. He joins the fucking FBI to try to once again protect women. He's unable to do it as he finds a truck full of dead bodies of women. Trauma just piling up on him for these women. Yeah. And so now he gets into this line, and it's all that keeps him going. Yeah. He doesn't save them, but he's able to help kind of protect them from it ever happening to them again. And... Gonna make his way through the American yeah, he's, pedophile he's underground, him, whatever. Sending a message, yeah. oh, like you know, huge you know message. That you know, there's a word that's silently traveling through these communi- communities of these fucking pedophile like elitists. Well, it must be slow because because when he goes in, like we just talked about, the one in New York, they, no one was prepared for no, something yeah, like this. Had, no, but no I also clue. think because of who was probably in charge or knew it was like you know what I mean, like yeah. who's going to go to this governor's playhouse, governor's kind of thing. playhouse. Yeah. The other thing that these two uh, have in common is they count, and we didn't we don't realize it, but Joe himself counts. They don't do it at first. And I think that's a smart move. The first person we hear counting is Nina as she is laying in the room in the bed and she basically closes her eyes and she counts slowly to herself in her head. And it helps her get past what's happening. Like it almost helps her disassociate with the horrific raping that's happening to her. But she completely has gotten her mind to go somewhere else where she's like, she's 100% out of body. Like she's Yes, she knows what's happening to her, but she's ignoring it. Yeah. Which may may help keep her from horrific trauma down the road. You know what I mean? Like, if she's broken so much away from it, where Joe had to see it every day, like with his mom getting yeah. beaten, it was in his face all the time. And so she has decided, I'm closing my eyes. I'm not seeing it. I will not see these men's faces. I will not see what they're doing to me. I will feel it, but I will count. So it's almost like she's putting herself through this exercise. And it's actually more advanced in being able to deal with her trauma than Joe ever was. And yeah. we learned that Joe counts. But I think Joe counts so he doesn't kill himself. You know what I mean? I think yeah. Joe counts so he doesn't suffocate underneath the fucking bag. I think he counts to see how far he can go. I'm sure he's passed out a few times. Yeah. I think they count for different reasons. 35. It's an awesome way to um, to just relate the two characters together very simply with the counting. And it is a crazy examination of trauma, you know. Throughout it, you know, of course, we're it's a film about child sex slavery. So, of course, we know the whole time we're going to be seeing trauma that Joaquin's character has dealt with. Trauma of flashes of women that he's saved or hasn't been able to save that appear to him in his day-to-day routine almost as ghosts 
everywhere is like even um in a scene where he's waiting to get on the train like he he looks and on the other side of a pillar you don't know if it's a woman that he he saved and that's the way she looked when he uh you know when he did save her and she's got a black eye and she's all beat up and she's looking at him from beyond the pillar and then you like, pants another camera and you can see there's no one there which again that's why i i love the title of this film so much because of course we know what it really means but at the same time it does allude to like you were never really here like they see him like he's seeing these ghosts but nobody knows that he was the one that ever came there and it's it's really awesome there's that but also these these young girls these women who are just these complete yeah victims to violence no one and seems to disappear. care and it's as if they were never really ever here exactly. yeah oh there's so many good, such like, a good fucking great title, title movie everything yeah and the short story i gotta read now they do an amazing job of displaying trauma how trauma is manifested as a child and how two characters are able to deal with that and one seems to be able to deal with it a whole lot better at least at the start as a young child, then our main character was able to throughout his entire life. And they find this, it's, I want to say like a camaraderie. Like they find a common ground to begin like a friendship and almost a, he, I want to say big brother, very much big brother like, feel. I don't feel like father figure. I feel more yeah, like big brother feel to it. It's the closest thing to me to Leon and um, yes. Natalie Portman. In Minus the Natalie Portman's character trying to be sexual towards yeah. Leon with this but even young then, girl. Even, yes. even then, she's so messed up the first time like when he saves her and she's in the car, mm -hmm. you know, She's looking around and touching stuff, and he's like, you know, like she grabs his, his painkillers um, that he has in the car, and she's looking through stuff, and then she tries to start kissing him, and he's like, no, 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 you don't have to do that, because he just knows, he can tell that she's just so fucked up uh, in the head from everything that's happened, like, that immediately, she doesn't know how to respond. But she may be doing that to, that's what she's had to do to avoid right. being abused, like that, physically abused, you yeah. know what I mean, or her, or, yeah. Yeah, or, yeah, or being killed. We're going to get off this, well, not really sad stuff, uh, but a, a great combination, a great culmination of it for the fifth reason to watch this movie. Number five. And that is a very beautifully done scene where Joe comes home to find an intruder in his house. When Joe saves Nina, she's supposed to meet his, her father at a hotel. While they're waiting there, they learn that her father has committed suicide. By watching the news, and it's so... And like suddenly... Some cops show up and some shit happens and they take her and other stuff happens. I don't want to get into you need to see. Let's just head on like that shot of the way the two of them react separately to the news. Yes. She's still in that like Stockholm Syndrome state where like she's sitting on the edge of the bed. They're soaking wet from the rain. He had to sneak her inside because he's again like he's never really there. He's covering his tracks and he's not letting anybody find out that she is ever anywhere as he is. Because that's even a bigger priority than him being a ghost. He does not want anybody to ever know that they are with him. Absolutely. But she's just sitting there watching it, you know, and he's kind of goofing around. Like, she won't dry her head off. He put a towel on her head, starts drying her head off and stuff. And, like, she's just sitting there and she won't do, like, she's, like, not getting a reaction out of her. Like, he's, he's trying to comfort her and say, like, oh, you know, your dad's going to be here soon. She's still not reacting. And he just kind of lays back on the bed. And then you hear the news that her father killed herself on TV. And she has no emotion, no reaction to it at all. I think that then lends credence to the fact that we yeah. know that he, that she is involved. Is She's like, fuck this motherfucker. I'm glad he's dead. You know what and I mean? Just that way that Joaquin sits up 
on the bed. You can tell, like, when he sits up and he puts his hand, his arms down on, uh, like, on his knees, leaning forward. And you can tell that this is when he's realized, like, out of all the places he's gone to, he's hit something big now like he's oh yeah he's, he's in been the, he's, he's in the been hornet's trying, nest now yeah like he's been trying to like he's been shaking the tree and getting a few apples well he fucking chopped the tree down and created chaos as they would say in sicario he doesn't realize how fast in a few moments they're gonna have a knock at the door and that's how quick shit has started to catch up with them yeah and it catches up fast and we learn quickly that the police are helping the governor basically this young girl is his favorite as we come to find out which is fucking disgusting but yeah it, it's part of the story it is what it is and you know what sometimes you have to swallow it because real thing going on and hopefully this kind of story creates an emotion in you to help end this kind of stuff going on but he goes back to his house after he loses her again and some things happen and some bad stuff happened but he knows he knows he's in trouble he knows because he goes to find the guy who gave him this job and he is in bad shape. This dude's hands have been fucking yeah. cut, cut, just they, like, fucked up, cut open like, almost. It was like they cut his knuckles out. Yeah. Like, his, oh. his, like uh, yeah, like it literally looks like they were carving out his knuckles. Yeah, it's so fucked. he's dead. He's fucked up. So he knows. So he goes to his house, and he's very smart, and he comes down off his roof. There's like a, on his second level, he's got a roof, but there's it looks like either the windows near his mom's bedroom either go out onto like a, another roof of the house. Yeah, you know, like, like you can step like a, out. Like a very small pitched roof. Like yeah. It's, or, yeah. or it's just a flat roof on top of a garage. It doesn't fucking matter, but it's, it's cool. But again, Lynn's camera control is amazing. You know, she's yeah. not picking... These, uh, you know, stereotypical shots where you could no. easily have this shot from outside. Uh, it looks so great from the inside. So when he slides down this roof from the top of the roof onto this thing, he peeks into a window. Now, when they show this, you don't know what, you know, what room they're in, but we know immediately what he sees. And it's just the great reaction that Joaquin gives us looking through the window. We know right then and there his mom's dead. We know just from his reaction. Yeah, for a fact. And so he comes into the house, Obviously but he knows someone now, else is in in the he house. Knows there's people there still. So. Cuz it's almost like they're these guys yeah, he have knows. been assigned he to knows. wait. wait yeah, for after him he to went to back. he went to his boss's or the guy who hired him's house. No one was there, but a coffee maker was still on. So he thought that was odd. He found a gun, a revolver, goes to the office, finds him dead. So he knows immediately shit's hit the fan. He's in it deep. I mean, Next the cops things, came yeah. and tried to kill him. So he knows he's in it deep. He goes to his house and he's making his way downstairs and there's two guys and he just comes around the corner and bam, Kills one of them instantly and shoots the other one in the gut. And that's intentional because he wants to get some information. Yeah. And he finds out some information. I'm going to give away the information because it's brutal. But we do, we learn a lot in a brief moment. Just in the way of him, the fucking handling of the guy that he shoots in the gut. First thing he does, comes in, he he sees him trying to walk, crawl away from him. He steps (laughs) on his back. He steps on his back right over where his belly shot is. Yep. So he's putting... What do you think? Joaquin in this film's got to weigh, what, 220? Easily. 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 Yes. He's having the kind of weight on him that uh, Stallone put on for Copland. Not as big as Stallone, but in that bulky size for sure. than Stallone, too. That's the other thing. But yeah, so first he does that. Then, you know, he flips him over on his side, takes his foot, and puts his foot straight into the wound. Uh, with his boot on. Well, he just found his mom dead. You know yeah. what I mean? And all the it, shit he's it, been it, gone, just gone through. He, the way the way he's just pacing it out, though, 
And because he knows he's going to get like the information. And then he feeds him a painkiller. Like he, the greatest part is he opens it up, grabs a glass of water for himself, opens up his bottle of painkillers that he has, realizes he only has one left, gives it to the guy that's about to die. It's almost like enhanced uh, interrogation techniques, you know. Black sight stuff. Well, he's playing. Bad. He's playing the good cop, bad cop himself. You know what I mean? I'm bad cop. Oh wait, me here. I'm good cop. He gets the answers, and then there's this old song playing, and it seems to play quite a few times in the movie. There's an oh, I don't know the name yeah. of the song, but it's playing, and all of a sudden, the the gentleman who's dying on the floor starts to, to kind of sing it as he's starting to slip away. This is completely ad libbed. Joaquin improvised this. He lays down next to improvised him, improvised all of it, and starts to sing the song with him. And then the gentleman next to him holds his hand while he dies. It's an am- amazing scene from where Joaquin starts the scene, finding his mom dead, coming down to kill the two intruders, and then starts to torture the guy. And then basically, just a little bit of sympathy yeah, comes yeah, out for him. Sympathy, where he's like, a little bit. Of, he knows that these are the final moments that he's spending. Like he's literally going to watch. It him could die. even be him thinking about the girl on the other side of the fence. He was not able to comfort her on her way out. Yep, on her you way know out. what I mean? So like when like, he found yeah. those girls in the. Yeah. It's you know, it's all these things. Like, He's like, okay, well, you know. Such a beautiful like, scene. I, I ended him. You know, I, I ended this man's life. He's gone. He's no longer going to do what he's been doing. But, yeah, the the guilt of, you know, not being able to comfort this girl that I've caused the death of. I mean, we could even go further where yeah. he always had to suffer alone. And now he yeah. is a guy suffering. He's up, has the option to, you know, he's there to not have to let this guy suffer alone. Like there's, yeah. you could think about all the times we see him, bags over his head, he's alone. He's going through all this trauma alone. Yeah. And now this guy's going through it. Even though this guy may or may not have killed his mom, because he does ask yeah. him who killed my mom, no, and they never no, answers him. No, Did he, he say the other guy? He, he says it was the other guy. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, Again, let's be honest. He's always let's, everyone's gonna say it's the other let's, guy. Let's be real. Yeah, like yeah, they're both. The other dude's dead. He can't speak for himself. This doesn't matter. A, doesn't matter who did bullet, it. He's in got his a mind. bullet in the belly. He's dying in the next thirty minutes. Like well, then that, once again, we're going to the lies of Reservoir Dogs and Mister White. It takes a long <laughs> time to die. He's a lying <laughs> son of a bitch, Mister White. You lying, Mister White. You liar. It takes a long time to die yeah. from a bullet in the belly. You're gonna. I wish you were dead. Oh, man. No, it's a beautiful, beautiful scene. It's not the yeah. ending of the movie, but it's just a beautiful scene in... No. If you can call it a beautiful movie, considering what it deals with. Like, it's a real engrossing film that really will get to your bones, but it moves by such a good pace. You never feel yeah. like... Probably a bad choice of words, but you don't feel like getting hit over the head with like, oh, this is about sex slave. You know, like, it's just we go with no. the story and we follow. You're, and- you're, you're literally just following Joaquin through this the whole time. You know, even from it starting out with you watching him again, just wiping everything down, getting rid of everything, to the camera trailing up in front of him till he throws out stuff, till it tailing behind him. This camera yep. in this movie is following him through this journey consistently and the whole time. The yep. only time it ever slows down is when it's perfectly slowed down to build relationships between 
himself and his mother and himself and which was very reminiscent of kind of what happens in the joker a little bit yeah the the relationship was real close it was bizarre how close they really were so yeah unpopular opinion from i'll say for myself since it's my birthday mother i don't know if scott will agree with me joaquin should have won best actor two years in a row at the oscars because he would not have been able to pull the performance of the joker 100 agree if he did not do this film. If you haven't seen it, see this film and then watch the Joker and you'll be like, Yep, okay. That's that's where the Joker now obviously he goes a different he adds some Travis yeah. Bickle to the Joker, but some of the depth of his character with his mom and some it comes from this he, performance. I, yeah. He wouldn't have been willing to take on the role of the Joker, I feel like 100%. if him and Lynn didn't have this experience together. I think this is what made him trust Todd Phillips and say, like, okay, we're gonna do something original. Okay, well, this is what I just have done recently, and I'm going to dive down that. 235 East 31st Street. That's what the text said. You have kids, Joe? No. Nina. Her name is Nina. I've heard of these places. Underage girls. Senator, if she's there, I'll get her. McCleary said you were brutal. I can be. It's time to make some lists. All right, so for this week, our cheery top five list. Our first is our top five anti-hero movies, being that we are once again in a odd episode number 30 fucking three. Is that correct? God damn, 33. dude. 33, man. We are really we are chugging along, man. That's crazy. 33. It's It just blows my mind that we've come this far. It keeps going. Yeah. So we're going to do our top five anti-hero movies. Matt will lead us off. I will follow behind, as we do recently, our piggybacking. So Matt. What is your number five anti-hero movie? And I must say, the two lists again this week were tough, yeah. and I had to leave quite a few off, and it was so a hard lot, to decide. A lot off. There was a lot off of both both lists. But my number five for anti-hero movies is Michael Douglas in Falling Down, playing <laughs> William Foster. Falling Down is fucking fantastic. It is so underrated. I feel that if he hadn't killed the Nazi guy in the beginning and actually joined the Nazi, I feel like this is like a great QAnon fucking tale. Well, doesn't it, it feel like well, it a bit? Doesn't it? The funny thing with you saying that is the piece of shit that piece of shit fucking Canadian that started the Proud Boys dressed up as Michael Douglas's fucking character. Like, if you ever watch any press fucking shit for him, that fucking douchebag goes around dressing like him. Fuck him. Piece of shit. Fuck he, you. He's gotta, he's gotta stay in fucking Canada because he can't come back to New York anymore because he'll get his fucking yeah. ass beat. <laughs> Fucking proud boys. <laughs> My number five, and I just saw this really cool thing today, and it reminds me of this movie I picked. So if you remember Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, I just saw someone today post a meme that says that John Wick, which is my number five, is the darkest timeline of uh, who's it? Is he Bill or Ted? I forget if he's Bill or Ted. He goes to <laughs> yeah, he goes yeah, to yeah. military school instead, yeah. and this is he becomes John <laughs> Wick. Just, 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 the the, his life really takes <laughs> yeah, a right? bad turn. Takes a real swing. Yeah, but like, yeah, John Wick is so. I mean, the first 
two are really, really cool. I really yeah. like them. The third, there's four, third a fourth one, one's coming the, out third, at this point. Third it's one's like, fun. You know what? It's it's that rebirth of fucking Keanu Reeves. Like you don't. Yeah. When he was in um, the Matrix, you're like, yeah, it's cool, you know. And even when he was in um, Point Break, a little goofy. Yeah. But he really becomes a great action hero, like just that. Yeah. He he's was crazy, great. dude. Have yeah, you ever seen? The, you ever seen the YouTube uh, yes. videos of him training, uh, doing three gun uh, yep. competitions? The Ooh. two most impressive ones just I've seen nuts. of training are him, him, and then Tom Cruise when he trains for Mission Impossible. Like those, those two guys are like. But Tom, Tom Cruise is using cheat codes. He's got Scientology behind him. <laughs> Fucking cheat codes. <laughs> <laughs> fucking bullshit. With that, I'll uh, bring it to my number four, being a film we've already talked about, is Drive with Driver. With That's last all. week's uh, <laughs> Mr. Gosling. Yeah, Mr. Gosling being the infamous Driver. That's all we ever know him as. Um, it's a fantastic anti-hero movie. It's brilliant. I would say, like again, they're both Hammer films. <laughs> um not MC Hammer yeah. films. No, the uh, MC Hammer should produce these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, he, he wouldn't have been going to what tax evasion. <laughs> it really, really does make this his song. You can't touch this. Really, kind of like poignant. <laughs> yeah, we can make a remix, uh, like YouTube video of it, uh, all to the the beat going to like <laughs> hammer strikes against people. Hammer time. Fucked up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh fuck, that'd be horrible. It's so good. Well, it's yeah. also my number four as well. Nice, um, nice. Yeah, and it was our fourth episode. How about that? It's our number four. So it was weird. Our fourth four, four, episode. Four. Oh. It's crazy. Wow. Synchronicity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fantastic. Um, Gosling, we got to talk about him last week. He plays sociopaths really, really good, whether they're androids or movie yeah. people, movie stunt guys. <laughs> yeah. We've done two movies. We did two movies in our first month about movie stuntmen, and I'm just telling yeah. you, don't <laughs> fuck with them. They, they're crazy. No, I <laughs> they're just crazy. Look at even uh, one we haven't talked about, Cliff Booth. Got away from yeah. his the fucking only, wife, man. The only one who isn't cool was... Um, Tony Soprano when uh, Chili Palmer throws <laughs> yeah, him down the yeah, fucking yeah, stairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so true. So my number three for this is The Professional, a movie I'm sure maybe one day we might talk about. I don't know. It's on the cusp there of a film that we could talk about. Or I'm just saying not. get some flip-flops, your shorts, and some tan oil. It yeah. could be around that time frame. But it, it's so good. Gene Reneal, Natalie Portman making her debut. Fucking goddamn fucking Gary Oldman and one of Man, his top five. He said, "Go back inside." Yeah, when he <laughs> fucking shoots, shoots, shoots the gun. My favorite right scene in the movie he is when he shoots that lady. And he's got the cigarette. He said, "Go from back his mouth. inside." <laughs> oh my god! And like how uh, he just. Uh, he's fantastic, and like even though he's not the anti-hero of the film, he can kind of be the second anti-hero of the film. He's brilliant. Should have won an brilliant. Oscar for that fucking role. Yeah, brilliant. His fucking wearing, coming in, wearing his fucking headphones, listening to Mozart, like. Oh my god! Goes, the way he, <laughs> and when he tells him why he stopped killing everybody, he goes sometimes Mozart can be a little much. That's why I stopped. Like it's just so <laughs> fucking great. Oh, uh, he is so good. fantastic. Well, my number three is going to stay in the hammer time. It's Old Boy with Daisu. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, it's we talked about it. If you missed it, go back to our 15th yeah. episode, I believe it was. Yeah, back in my birthday time frame. Well, I only got four. This year, though, I get five, so <laughs> suck it, Matt. We're doing five. We're doing Old Boy five times. I'm just kidding. Five uh, times. Yeah, yeah. Five times old the Old Boy. But no, Old Boy is fucking fantastic, as I have 
gushed about a lot. But yeah, that's a great anti-hero movie. It's a fucking twisted movie. It's the most twisted movie we've done so far. I don't know any other movies that are going to yeah. come close to that. Um, but yeah, uh, I love Old Boy. I, I've been I trying. I've been, try, I've been trying hard to get close. To yeah, it. I mean, basically, my, basically, two of these movies are just—it's just Hammer. If you like Hammers, if you like seeing people get beat to death, if you just want to get watch this movie and then those the two movies. Yeah, I think we kind of have an obsession with people being beat with Hammers. It's our third, our third, third hammers. film, third film with Hammers. Yeah. Uh, anti-hero that loves hammers um but that'll bring me to my number two being another film that we talked about that doesn't involve a hammer that is a clockwork orange with mr alex delarge probably one of the most well-known anti-heroes i would say of all time oh i I mean obviously we did it it's one of my favorite movies of all time it's my favorite kubrick it's just uh, it's a beautifully amazing film and we got to do it again i hadn't seen it in a while it's just it's fantastic it's a fantastic film it still holds up, and what I think we're, we talked about—it's it, fifty years old now. It came out in yeah. seventy-one. It's it's Fucking fifty. Crazy, it's unbelievable. It, it doesn't look it. No, because it's such a bleak dystopian time that's in it that yeah. it could very well be today. It really exactly. does have that feel. My number two—we've uh, talked about, but we haven't done it, and we might because we we kind of discussed this uh, a couple weeks back. But mine is First Blood, Mr. John Rambo. Uh, when he is awesome, they drew like first when blood. Not me. Yeah, when he, you know, I love the, the line, you know, you may be, you know, you may be in charge of the streets, but in the woods, I'm in charge. I just love John Rambo. It's the it's the best Rambo. It's not the most well known one. Obviously, people like number two, where he, we talked about the one armed machine gun thing. <laughs> we did that whole thing. But yeah. I like First Blood. First Blood is where Rambo's a real anti-hero. They they pump him up as we go down into the you know American flag waving yeah. you know, GI yeah. Joe guy, but in this one he is <laughs> not. He is a down on his he's luck. He's not supposed to be a patriot. No, he's being yeah. He hates America. They've treated him like shit for coming when he comes back. They've exactly. treated him like shit for being in Vietnam. Uh, the guy the guy thinks he's a fucking dirty fucking bum. That's why he wants him out of his town. Boy does he regret that. But uh, yeah, for me Big it's time. John Rambo first blood. So yeah, that will bring me to my number one being. Co-star shortly uh, following uh, this film is Mr. Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver, which shortly after this film, he got to stand side by side with Joaquin in a parody of a Martin Scorsese film from Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips did not deserve to be direct, uh, nominated as Best Director. You shouldn't be nominated as Best Director if all you're doing is painting by numbers of Scorsese films. But mm, yeah. Taxi Driver is... It, 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 Travis uh, Bickle is the the anti-hero. When you, He's the, when he I, feels like the original anti-hero. He does. You know, he when, really does. When you hear anti-hero. Like anti-hero, anti-hero films, you think, in my opinion, you think Travis Bickle. So, yeah. He's my number one, too. Yeah. That's my number one, too. So we uh, lined I, up there I, four It was and, easy. Four yeah. It was very easy to make Taxi Driver it, only because it it's the yeah. original. Like, I feel like if it you is. look up Antihero, his picture, you know, like, I feel like in, in like, the lore of Antiheroes, it's like Travis Bickle, Mr. White. Like, I feel like those yeah. two guys talking in the are the mirror, top two. Oh, yeah. You talking to me? The him covered in blood at the end, sitting yeah. sitting yeah. on the couch, putting the uh, doing like the finger trigger to his head, like pretending yeah. that he's gonna blow his brains out. Again, it's amazing. This, this film has the most similarities to Taxi Driver. I actually feel like as a film buff, 
in a film lover this has more uh, this touches more to me with taxi driver than the joker does even though I see the, joker, the joker cuz in the joker he's more manacle like travis bickle where joe in this yes. film is completely not they're not in the same mind yeah. as far as mentally so i can exactly. see why but yes thematically they're very very close it's very, yeah it's what travis bickle wants to be it's yes. what joe is exactly. you know, like he eventually like, like this is this is his first step into what joe is you know i yeah. think he's like oh i want to be that you know so yeah like if they if they're in some alternate universe if the two characters met like travis bickle would be idolizing what joe yes. is <laughs> be, it'd be a very weird training day yeah as they're underneath like a subway like yeah. <laughs> subway bridge eating a sandwich together all right well there you have it so we have seven i believe if i'm not mistaken Yes, seven anti-hero films you can go see. We met up on only two of them. So now I will lead us off and Matt will close out on our second list being the top five films of the year 2017, the year that this officially came out. The worldwide release was in 2018, but it actually is slated as a 2017 film. And this kind of was a genesis of a couple of weeks ago. I sent Matt um, a list of the films that came out in 1995. And I couldn't believe how many amazing movies came yeah, out in 1995. It's the, like, it was most unreal. It may be the, the most 90s. stacked. But this year, this 2017, as a, yeah. I cut my list down from 15 to 10, then to 5. Like, I was like, okay. I had to go, like, okay, which one did I like more? There's okay. a lot I left off this list yeah. that I could have. So uh, my I will start. Last, yeah. last minute before we started, I literally changed one on my I – t- I took one off my list and added one to my list. So I left like, it alone because I was like, ah. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to leave it like this. I was like, yeah. this is it. Let's see. There is one film that we have all – two films that we have covered on my list. Two films from 2017 that we have covered on the list. So but my number see, five is my favorite of this superhero run, it's Thor Ragnarok. I great was movie. blown away by Thor Ragnarok after Dark World was not very good. Thor Ragnarok, no, yeah, um, it was it was not good. Yeah, Taiki, what's his name there? Uh, Taika Waititi. Yeah, why can't I say? I don't know why I can't say his name. Taika Waititi, uh, who say, I love as a, as a director. You, you I'm so looking <laughs> forward to his next foray with Thor. I love everything he does. I've been watching his new uh, his show that he created in the movie What We Do in Shadows. It's, he's just yeah. He's so Jojo good. Rabbit's one of my favorite Jojo movies. Jojo Rabbit's fantastic. It's just absolutely fantastic, and I really loved Thor Ragnarok. I love what they did with Thor. It was such a great twist on that. Yeah. And, uh, one of the best Marvel ones. It's definitely the best Thor. In my you opinion, you know that it's the best I think Thor somebody, so far. I think there was actually a poll that it's the most rewatchable Marvel film. I would say that, but I, I my money would be on. Guardians of the Galaxy, the first, would be the most rewatchable it, one. It, it in my it opinion. In this poll. Yeah. My opinion. I see why people pick Thor because it's a single character, whatever. You, you have it's to really fall in love with it. It's but, fun and yeah. yeah. But yeah, it, it's great. But yeah, you can't you can't pronounce uh uh New Zealanders names. I know, I don't what the, I don't know why. Whatever, we'll figure it out. Don't mix up I've got Ozzy with a Kiwi. I got one of his uh, movies. Zoe coming Bell I'll make sure I got the shit out of you. She but yeah, so yeah, that, she would easily she she'd beat the shit out of both of us at the same time. But yeah, that'll bring me to my number five being the killing of Sacred Deer, which tied for best uh screenplay with 
this film, the film we talked about today, um, you were never really here. I love The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Uh, it's Yargos Lanthimos' second uh, American language film, I believe. Yeah, after The Lobster. I love Yargos Lanthimos. Uh, again, this was another movie that had a lot of fucking praise from Cannes. They both won. They tied to win Best Screenplay together, and then both of them fell off. And it yeah. is an incre- uh, a crazy fucking, very poetic, disturbing psychological thriller. And that doesn't even, like, that's not even, like, the tip of the iceberg. That's just, like, me, like, flicking a little bit of snow yeah, at I know. you. It's a fucked up movie, and it's great. Well, my number four is the second episode we did this year. It's Brawl in Cell Block 99, one of the most brutal Damn, movies see, I have ever 2017 seen. Was it was crazy. unbelievable. Uh, I love that movie. We Obviously, we, we did it for our second episode. Yeah. It's absolutely fantastic. One of Vince Vaughn's greatest performances. Again, a, a role he could have won for. I'm like it's there's it's the year of the antihero, really. I mean, we could have put that as antiheroes, no. too. Oh, my it's, God. I forgot about yeah. that, too. He's... Unbelievable in that movie, and I absolutely loved Brawl and Silver Nine. And if you didn't know, we did go to our second episode and listen to it, and we will tell you yeah, how much we love that movie. We're dropping a lot of uh, old episodes here, but yeah. Um, so my number four is the second film from the Safdie Bros from A24. Good time, starring Robert Pattinson and Benny Safdie. So fucking good, Robert Pattinson is an amazing, extremely yes, underrated he is. actor. He's not looked at enough. You know, we talked about him back with The Rover. Still a very underappreciated yep. film. Uh, well, hopefully this, Tenet and then uh, Batman coming out will hopefully push him through. Because people yeah. got to get on board. Cause Forget he's, he's about the Twilight great. shit, all right? He did that to make some money. He's, exactly. he's a legitimate he actor. He was a, if you want to see fucking... the fucking rock, all right? If you can go see the rock and 3000 of the Fast and Furious, give this motherfucker a try because he's going to be way better than anything you've seen. No, he is, yeah. Like the, the kid, he was a British theater actor before stepping into Take Twilight. Like he did to take it, he took it for a paycheck and to establish a career here. But unlike him and Kristen Stewart, the difference between the two of them is took her a while to dive into indie movies. She's kind of dipping her toes in there now there was actually an indie movie from 2017 with her in it called uh personal shopper that i love that was hard to not put on this list but it took her a while to do that he dove head fucking first twilight ended and he was like fuck this shit i'm gonna go make shit that i care about and he did it for a fucking long time to get to where he is now to be getting phone calls from christopher nolan and being the next fucking batman Check out our 12th episode where we did the rover, and you'll see how much we love him in that. My number, what do we have? Three. Number three, we just did last week. Blade Runner 2049. Unbelievable. If we exactly. did our sequels, it would be in the top three sequels that we, we did last week. It would have been in my top three um, for sequels. It's a phenomenal movie. I rewatched it again this week. I liked it so much. It's such a great movie. I don't need to tell you a whole lot about it, because if you want to know more about it, listen to last week's episode, and you'll know how much we really, truly loved uh, Blade Runner 2049. So, I left Blade Runner completely off the list. Just because... you're a piece of shit, all right? Because I recommended it. I left quite a few off that I knew you were going to do. Like, I was like, you know what? I think Matt's going to put this on his list. So I was like, Probably. let's see if we have a bigger list. Uh, exactly. That's uh, the same we thing. We recommend and it. He doesn't even put it on there. What a piece of I shit. I recommend it, but I was I, like, I need to throw in. There's so many movies in 2017. I got to throw out some other ones. So you better, my, your next three better blow me the fuck away. All right. Let me hear oh, it. Let's will. hear number they three. Will. Number three is 
Call Me By Your Name, starring Mr. Army Hammer, who is now uh, may or may not be a cannibal, and Timothy Chalamet getting put into the forefront of just blowing up to be the biggest fucking thing since Johnny Depp in the fucking 80s. And he's a far fucking better actor than Johnny Depp was back then, I'd have to say. How dare you? 21 Jump Street, how dare you? (laughs) How dare you? How dare you? He's great. He's great. But Call Me By Your Name. amazing. Uh, fucking fantastic fucking movie. So good. Probably won't ever see that sequel seen as Army. Yeah. Lay off the cocaine, bro. Someone might be calling him by his name. He might be calling someone by their name. He may be joining Chauvin there in prison, so if he's not careful. <laughs> Maybe. My number two, and I'll tell you why it's two and not one once I tell you one, but number two for me, this movie just blew my mind. You know, I didn't know the guy was this amazing at writing and directing. I thought he was great on Key and Peele. But Get Out was oh. fucking unreal. And it's so one of those good. movies, like, it's one of those touchstone movies of 2017. It was hard to not put it at one, but my number one I liked more. Get Out is just, it reinvented the horror genre. It gave us Mr. Peel, who is yeah. unbelievably talented. Well, thank and God the we'll movie never go alone, back to acting because we need him as a director. We need him uh, as a visionary. unbelievable. It's just so unbelievable. Good. I'm looking forward to where he comes out with next. I liked I loved us. Yeah. I love this. So I'm really excited. But get, I mean, get out. It had to be on here. Like it had to be for yeah. me. It had to be on here. So with that, will bring it to my number two being the swan song of one of my favorite actors of all time, Daniel Day-Lewis, Phantom Thread from Paul Thomas Anderson. It's the most romantic love story in the world. Nothing says love like poisoning your significant other with mushrooms to make them sick so then you care for them and that's the only way that they like to have uh their love uh like (laughs) reciprocated back and forth is through this very fantastic relationship um Um, matt's new girlfriend has become a fan of ours so if you're listening to this episode i'm just you know if you need help send signals so just you know clearly if matt is trying to feed you anything stay the fuck away from him i'm just letting you know okay back to matt yeah go fuck yourself so um (laughs) so yeah so it it is just a fucking fantastic film and like this this subtlety to it like the fact that daniel day lewis with his swan song like made a fucking dress you know he's the the definition of method actor the motherfucker made a dress to get into character for this film it is great. It, it's sad watching it, knowing it's the end of Daniel's career. Um, he says that now. We'll see. We'll see. And you know when people retire know. from he everything? Doesn't. Everyone retires from something. Daniel really doesn't give a you shit. You know what happens the, is, though, is like eventually cop, they... He's a shoe cobbler in fucking Italy. I know, because he think he's in a role in his head right now. Like, like he's, he's been in that role I, for like 25 years, cobbling shoes. I What's know, he going to do? Yeah, he's never I, made a movie about... Adam Sandler was in The Cobbler. I know. It, he'll be back. Trust me. It, it may not be this decade, but he'll be back. After a while, he's going to get tired of cobbling shoes. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. Cobbling shoes really <laughs> don't pay all that much. All right? All right. My number one, speaking of swan songs, was a swan song for a character who I have a feeling they're going to try to recast now that it's owned by Disney. To me, it is the best superhero movie ever made, even though it's really a Western. It's Logan. Yes. I love Logan so much. Um, very few movies have ever lived up to the trailer 
the trailer with uh Johnny um Johnny yeah with Johnny Cash's version of Hurt it just mm. everything about Logan <sighs> is pitch perfect the fact that it, I feel it should have been nominated like the fact that it didn't get oh, yeah. that kind of recognition like it was Everyone a lot of the stuff year, out there now it was going to be the first one oh, like it was going to be beautiful. the first it film was, to be nominated in like first major superhero film. Oh, of a, you want to like, talk? You know, I should have put that as antihero because talk about antihero. Like, antihero, yeah. Logan he is was. the <laughs> biggest piece of shit in this movie. It's so beautiful. Him and Patrick Stewart in it. Everything about this movie is the, fantastic. The, the, it's the little gorgeous. Girl in it is so fucking she's amazing. Badass. She's a fucking. She was supposed to scene. have her own movie spin up, but Jesus obviously it's impossible. So I'm, I know, Yo, I know. I'm just, hoping maybe Disney will get its shit together. But let's just do talk it. about the one scene when she steps out, like when they send the team in after her. Oh. And you got Logan. Comes out with the head? She, it comes out with the head and she fucking throws that shit like she's oh. the fucking predator. When they fight the together ground. the two or three times, they do, it's fucking just awesome. Like, yeah. It's everything. It's just a beautiful, beautiful yeah, every, movie. Everyone's going to die. It. It's a gorgeous movie. It's everything that the comic book was and you finally get to see. Like, they made so many different missteps along the way, but finally yeah. they got this one fucking right. And up until this movie came out, I thought The Dark Knight was the best one they'd come out with. Yep. I, I think this is better than The Dark Knight. I just It took, this, it took the mm. extra steps that Dark Knight didn't take. It had yeah. the balls to do things that most superhero movies full are R. afraid to do. Yep, full, full, full R. R. Not in a funny way, but also no. full, but also just say, you know what? We're going to tell a very dark and sad story, and your favorite people may not make it to the end, you know? Yeah. Like when, when Patrick Stewart goes, and you, yeah. oh, I'm, it's unbelievable. So my number one from 2017 was Logan, and now I'm watching it tomorrow because I'm all hyped up about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So with that, my number one is your number two, being Get Out. It's so good. Jordan Peele. It will be looked back in history as one of the greatest horror movies to ever come out. It just will. It will. It, it's going to be up there, like with Psycho. It's going to be in those movies that Psycho, The Shining, like it's, real horror, not like the Jasons and the, the Freddy the, stuff. To, it's the rebirth of Alfred Hitchcock horror. Yes. And Jordan Peele is a fucking genius. Daniel Kaluuya. Lakeith Sanfield are amazing. Lakeith is like unrecognizable. He was unknown. Like all he was doing was Atlanta at the time. And if you get to see and Atlanta, he is fucking first of all that show is that show's uh, amazing the best on and show of itself. Ever. One of the best shows ever. I, I don't know. Oh, like, uh, I wish. Oh. <laughs> I wish uh, Glover would do. No, I don't know what happened. Like the they're two seasons. Like, they, they, I think they, unreal. They, he's always said he's ending it with three. So the is third Stanfield will be is brilliant in it. I mean the whole. Cass is brilliant in it. Oh my god! Oh, it's so it, yeah. Good. If you get a I chance, just, I mean, we could do a podcast if I on oh, that. I would, oh my god! I would, I would do like a whole season on an episode. It's unreal. Yeah. So good, so good. Well, there you have it. We have Jesus. We had uh, was that eight? Eight in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight, eight movies. Like there are a ton of other movies from 2017. Just go in and put in movies released in 2017. It'll give you a huge list on a Wikipedia page. You can flip through the months, and you'll be blown away by some of the great movies that were that we didn't even come put on our list. Guardians of the Galaxy two came out that year. So many, like I, Tanya. There's a whole. Sh- we didn't even put the movie going. of the year, which I left off my list, which was close. The Shape of Water. Yep. Like that was the movie of the year that year. So many, many great so films many. came out in 2017. Go ahead and give. 
of You Were Never Really There a look and then go ahead and check out the rest of these and we will be back next week as we finally wrap up in the beginning of May. You're done with me. We finally wrap up Matt's 300 year fucking birthday celebration. But in the meantime, we will say happy birthday to the birthday boy. Thank you. And until next time. Watch this or die. So that will do it for this week's installment. Once again, we would both like to thank you for hanging out with us and letting us gush all over you about this movie. Now, we do hope that you will enjoy it as much as we have, so please let us know what you thought of this movie by reaching out to us on our social media platforms. Now, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Watch This or Die. Also, feel free to DM us your thoughts of this week's film. You can always give us your own top five list, tell us what you did or didn't like about the show, and even suggest some movies for us to watch. Now, we hope you will join us again next week for our next movie recommendation. And as always, I'm Scott Crosher. I'm Matt LaPlante. And until next time, watch this or die.